This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I am so here. And yeah, I will I will talk to you about the first time in my entire life as an adult food professional when I made Rice Krispie treats. I got a bunch of uh, <laughs> I got a bunch of Facebook messages about that one. Hilarious. I am a hilarious figure to everyone I know at this point because they're like, how did you get to be so old and never make Grace Krispie treats? I I don't know, man. It did not come up in New York City when I grew up. We did not have Grace Krispie treats. Never occurred to me to make them. They're a little sweet for me, to be perfectly honest. I don't really like them that much. I like my sweets to have a little more nuance. And, uh, but uh, who cares, right? But anyway, my daughter wanted to make them. She is a is a card carrying Minnesotan, and so she doesn't have my snobby ways. And she the other day came to me and said, "I well, we want to make these." And I was like, "Okay, anything, anything for my baby." We walked up to Kowalski's. We got some mini marshmallows. I'll tell you the rest of the story later. I did not get anything at Kowalski's in this particular run that had a live well flag on it. And that's actually what I really was. We're going to talk about the real stuff today. I've got Sue Moores here. She is a, if you've been to Target Field, you've been to Kowalski's, you're probably familiar with her works. Anyone had the, the Target Field twins roots for the home team salads and, and whole, whole interesting wellness thread there. And she's been helping out at Kowalski's or I'm a big fan of for many years doing their uh, wellness stuff. It, she runs the Be Well program, which aims to connect the dots between feeling better and your actual life in the grocery store. Not an easy thing to do. And so Sue is in studio. We're going to talk about her her work and all these different things. Sue, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. All right. So tell me, tell me exactly what this Be Live Well program is. Wellness is the buzzword of the year, but what is Kowalski's Live Well? It's a second round at putting some healthful um, conversation at the stores. About seven years ago, we started a program called Good Foods for Good Health. And just this past year, we rebooted with uh, 2.0, if you will, for the wellness conversation. And that's this Live Well. And it grabs more of what's going on in our stores. One of the, I think, the really lovely pieces of Kowalski's is their holistic approach to health. And so they have all of this wonderful things happening with food, but there's all these wonderful things happening in their gift area and other places. And it just seemed like it made more sense to make sure all of the store, uh, we were showing customers how much wonderful things there were throughout the store, not just in the food area. And so it's a couple different things, right? It's it's what we call shelf talkers or little things on the shelf that draw your eye. And so that means that if you're, you know, you're kind of – it's so overwhelming sometimes to be in the grocery store. You look, you're like, oh, look, it's 60,000 kinds of jam. <laughs> Why do I have to sift through all of this? But that's the that's yeah. what we're talking about. There might be a little shelf talker that says, like, this jam is just only berries 
and low sugar, that kind of thing? So what we did is literally go through every product that's in the store and take a look at it from the health aspects of it in terms of, from a nutrition person standpoint, um, fat, sodium, sugar, added sugars, and then the wholesomeness of it. And I think one of the things that puts us in a different space than some other folks that are doing similar things in um, tagging foods is that we look at it from an ingredient list. So if it's got artificial ingredients, even though it maybe had a lot of berries, but it just also had an artificial sweetener in it, we don't tag it. Because I think there's still there's a fair amount of info out there that either is indecisive about what some of these artificial ingredients do or is fairly decisive that it's not such a great thing. So our program in the foods that we flag is really about the wholesomeness of the food and then also the nutrient contribution. Is it got some great stuff for you that's going to be good for your health? And then sort of in the weeds of the fat, the sodium, the sugar the fiber, all of that good stuff. I love that you're an actual person making some actual decisions because it is, in the last decade, I have seen the various issues of healthfulness like rise to the top. Mm-hmm. And then I have seen, and that's good, I'm all about it. I have helped create that world, proud mm-hmm. of it, happy about that. On the other hand, I have seen all of these fake claims to healthfulness also rise up, and that infuriates me. Loyal listeners to this show have heard my endless rant about cauliflower puffs. I got this bag of uh, things that were basically Cheetos, but they said that they were cauliflower. And by the way, I love Cheetos. But at the time that I'm eating some Cheetos, I just want it clear that I'm eating Cheetos and nothing else is going on. And to have a, a bag of Cheetos that says cauliflower on the front of it and to have some fancy fantasy that you're eating a healthy food when you're just eating a cheese doodle um, without the cheese, which is the only nutrition in the cheese doodle, makes me so mad. And so uh, to like, how can you get in the middle of all of these false health claims? I remember getting a bag of baby carrots once and had this big sign in it that said, no cholesterol. I was so mad. It was just like, okay, there's cholesterol is an animal fat. We need it to live. Our bodies make it. Of course, there's no cholesterol in this baby carrots like ah so i mean but you know we have lives i'm trying to raise kids i got Mm -hmm. a job other people i've heard are also doing a thing like we don't have time to just be in the grocery store you know with a sword fighting fake health claims (laughs) (laughs) i would like to get the visual on that one yeah good (laughs) yeah but you but you have taken that on for us yeah i mean we truly do um through Kowalski's, try to make it easier. And I will say, and um, perhaps you'll say, well, a little biased, but um, you hear so often when people walk into the store, it's sort of an oasis. of It just takes a different approach to shopping and trying to make it a little bit more enjoyable and fun. And this is part of that is that we kind of cut to the chase. So as you stand in front of the sea of yogurts, you say, you, and you're looking for which one's a better pick instead of having to pull on the glasses and mush through it all, just look for the tag and we've done the math for you. So that's that part is of our such effort. a relief. My my sixth grader has moved into eating yogurt in the morning, which I'm all about. And, you know, we wanted to find a low sugar one mm-hmm. and a, you know, high <clears throat> high protein, not processed, low sugar. And I started just pulling things out of the case and I was like, ah, I am going to be here till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for this. And so I left him there. I was like, you know how to read a nutrition label. You're on your own. Find Find the one. And I went and I did 
my entire shopping. And he's a methodical little dude, and I love everything about him. He just sat there, and he pulled one off, read it, put it back, pulled one off. And I came back, and he had uh, he had settled on the Siggies, and it's uh, something like eight, six or eight grams of sugar, like a third, a quarter of the amount of sugar that everything else had. And I would never have spent the time. And so he spent the time. I was so happy. We now have the definitive yogurt that we eat. <laughs> There's also a, a local one. There's a Kelowna uh, Super Organics does a – or is it Supernatural? Yeah, that's their mm-hmm. program. The Kelowna yep. Supernatural also has a six-gram vanilla. So if you're listening, you want that important information. But you have to do that with every single product in the whole store. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> it could cross your eyes. And I'm really fascinated and sort of heartened – uh, to see people when you they shop in that so many people you see in the aisles with their neck down looking at the print. So clearly people care, which is a yay for that. But if um, you want sort of a shortcut or the cliff notes, we've got you with the tag on it. And oh, bless your son's heart for that... taking the time to drill into it. And he picked absolutely two perfect picks. Yay for him. It takes for it takes forever. But it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if we want to, that is the basic, you know, the like, Dad raised me, and he'd always say, "You know, you got two things: you got your health, and then I'd forget the other one, maybe family." Uh, but uh, you know, if you want to have, if you if you want to, you know, have that th- first thing, you know, at least I have my health, like that core thing. You need that first step. You need to find the healthy food because you're not going to have a good day with candy yogurt. There's too much candy yogurt. Yeah, and the other part of that is just that I think. For what happened with what just you said, this overly processed stuff, so back to your cauliflower cheese doodles or what have you, um, that's what's given healthy food a bad rap. And so when people get back into sort of those more wholesome ingredients. I think what gave healthy food a bad rap is like hippie gruel. People are afraid like, oh, you're going to feed me raw kale and a a brown stew of brownness like that. And for me, it was sort of that snack well moment of those uberly, you know, created low-fat cookies that say they're healthy and you go, oh, they're awful. So uh, whatever, you struggle with that all the time in that when you go out and you ask folks, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you say healthy? There's always sort of a slump of the shoulders and the sadness on the face. And we're oh, yeah, you're switch scolding me. The yeah. nanny state is scolding me. Yeah. So healthy food is really delicious. You just haven't found the right pick yet. Okay. And so you're doing this. I love the Kowalskis of putting money into this and, and really walking the walk. So you have these shelf talkers and you also have recipes. You do all these things. I know that I cannot let you out of the studio by asking about the other thing that you're involved, with, which is so neat. Talk about roots from for the home team, roots. Oh, well, um, that we've literally, I can't believe this is our seventh season at Target Field. So we partner with youth garden programs that are in the Twin Cities, and one is Appetite for Change in North Minneapolis, Dream of Wild Health, which is a Native American group of youth, uh, Urban Roots, which is on the east side of St. Paul, and then Urban Ventures, which is in the Phillips neighborhood. And all these kids are growing this amazing food in these gardens around the Twin Cities, and they have a great conversation with kids about food. So it is about learning what you grow. It's about being curious. It's just this ridiculously right way of teaching kids about eating well. And so when the twins decided to move out door baseball, I thought, boy, let's switch up how that looks on the food front if we could. And um, twins didn't know me from a hole in the ground, so kudos to them for giving us a chance. And so we buy the produce that the kids grow, and then the kids have created recipes for salads based on what they're growing in their gardens. And they're so interesting, the salads. So this year we have a purple rain salad. Kowalski's is carrying a couple of our salads in their deli. And so the kids are seeing 
they come then to the ballpark and sell their salads on the weekends. And so they're seeing this whole greater fan base community that's interested in the work that they do and really interested in them. And that's been so fun to watch these youth walk into Target Field, which is pretty intimidating if you've never been in it, and uh, stand in front of people that they don't know at all and sell them a salad. And so they end up with a bunch of courage, a lot of confidence, and a real understanding that there's a whole ballpark full of possibilities, if you will, for them in life. And I never would have thought I'd live to see the day where people are going to the stadium and ballpark food is like nice salads made by kids learning to garden. How nice is that? Yeah, they teach me a lot. Those youth are pretty amazing. Hungry for opportunity, and you give them a step back, give them the space, and they fill it up. They're just ridiculously great youth. Okay, so you're there for all the weekend games. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody, you go look for that. Look for Sue uh, at the Kowalskis at her, the, the Live Well Uh, all that information. Sue, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, we will have you back, and I will continue to rant about the wars that I lead when I'm in the grocery store, and I'm just like, stop telling me to exercise more soda. You're lying to me. That is not a true thing. I cannot balance uh, 20,000 calories of sugar soda with a walk around the block. It doesn't work that way. We're here to help in truly a different conversation at Kowalski's. So many things. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk to Ann Spath. She is from the Lynn Hall, and they're doing a lot at uh, at the Lynn Hall to talk to kind of advance this conversation about health, wellness, mental health in, in kitchens, which in the tragic world that we are currently navigating is more important than ever. Dara here. All right. We're going to be talking this hour with Ann Spath. She runs the Lynn Hall, which is a lovely restaurant in South Minneapolis. It's on 27th and Lindale. And it's not just a restaurant. It's an event space. It's a podcast studio. It's a, a television-ready space. I did an event there a few weeks ago with the sous chef that was just uh, amazing, the uh, cooked Cooked food from Sean Sherman's book, The Sous Chef. We've had him on the show a few times. You know what I'm talking about. He's a South Minneapolis Native American chef who's really kind of um, instructing the whole country on how to – where what these foods are, where they come from. Anyway, we had a great event. And Anne has been hosting a number of, of really important events. She has a couple of different you know, wellness and mental health and uh, physical health-centered uh, initiatives. She's one of them is called the Nourish Series. And, I, you know, everybody, everywhere I go, I went to a restaurant the other day. It's a little banh mi shop that I go to quite a bit in the Skyways. It's called Veli Deli. And, you know, people were in tears about Anthony Bourdain. And this is a reality that uh, we in the restaurant community are going to be dealing with for the rest of our lives. You know, this is a, a huge body blow. And I wanted to talk to someone who has been thinking about food and mental health and restaurants and and kind of connecting the dots. And Anne was the person who came to mind. So um, I'm really glad to have her on the show today. Anne, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. All right. So tell us, what have you been doing at at the Lynn Hall and these different initiatives? Well, if I can back up one second and just sort of give myself um, some some cred here. So it, it makes sense to connect my prior work uh, was in uh, child protection and prosecuting child abuse and neglect cases. And what I found so fascinating once I opened the Lynn Hall is that I found there were so many parallels between what I was seeing in children who had experienced 
trauma and adversity and what I now see in my own employees. And so really as an organization, we just celebrated our first anniversary on Thursday, but as an organization coming out of the gates, we really recognized that we needed to deal differently with our employees and provide them a safe place um, to come to work every day and know that it was going to be a different experience for them and establish that trust with them. And over the course of the last year, we really said, it's not really just us doing this alone. We really had other people coming to us in the community and Kim being one of them saying, I am losing employees left and right to substance abuse, mental health issues. What's going on? This feels like a, an epidemic to me because it's it's not just our restaurants. No, so really, it isn't just our restaurants. And it is it is throughout, uh, you know, it's, it's not just in restaurants, but it's vivid in restaurants. Um, you know, I've known a, a, a number of chefs who have, I don't want to, what do I want to say? Uh, grappled with, um, had to leave the industry, you know, different, um, different manifestations. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pain. There is. And I think, you know, what I, why we scheduled the Nurse Series to hit and start in May was that it was in conjunction with May Mental Health Month. And it really came out of these side conversations we were having with people saying, we want to understand what's at the the core of what's going on and, and why so many people in our industry are struggling. And so in May, we had these different events of which you already mentioned with Sean being one of them. So two were the events that centered around food and the healing properties of food. And so one was the indigenous food event and then also um, an, an Ayurvedic kitchen event. But separate from that, we had a great kickoff event with Dr. Greg Klonikoff on metabolic imbalance and metabolic health. And then we had a separate event that was specifically geared towards people in the restaurant industry that wanted to come in and have a conversation around trauma. And Dr. Amelia Frank-Meyer, along with Van Keplinger, led that discussion where it was all about this is what adverse childhood experiences are. This is what trauma is, and these are how these behaviors play out in the workplace. But most importantly, this is how we can heal as a community and how we can provide a better work environment for these folks that have suffered such adversity. Yeah, you sent me a link to a, a talk. I had seen this a few years ago, and it kind of wasn't top of mind, but I'm really glad that you sent it to me. Uh, the pediatrician Nadine Burke-Harris did this talk about how she has seen in her work that trauma is the number one predictor, childhood trauma is the number one predictor of you know, suicide attempts in later life and uh, different, you know, heart disease, lung disease, all of these uh, just, you know, things that you think are not connected to child abuse or to watching a, a mother be abused as a child. But but trauma, trauma is at the middle of it all. And you've, you've shared this with your the people that work with you. Absolutely. And, you know, again, this is, we had a great kickoff event uh, with the the event, the events and event in May that was industry specific. And what we heard on the heels of Anthony's untimely death was, this feels more pressing. This feels more urgent. We want to reconvene. We want to have a discussion on a larger level of how it is that we can help keep our people safe and well and support them when they have setbacks on their their road to recovery, whether it's chemical health or mental health, that we can walk alongside these employees when they're struggling. So our Nourish events were a combination of educational opportunities, 
but also fundraising, which connects directly to the nonprofit fund that we set up, the Longtable Fund. And the whole intent around the Longtable Fund is to raise proceeds for those people that are struggling and need to access crisis care. So we see this as the start of a very long journey and want other restaurateurs, chefs, people in the food industry to come alongside us and join because we do think that there's a much larger discussion that needs to happen. So I think a lot of people hearing you talk would be surprised that this is what you're doing you know, with a restaurant. Usually restaurants are about, uh, here's a nice cream puff and a glass of champagne, you know, but you've, you've conceived the Lynn Hall differently. I do. I, you know, I've always seen the Lynn Hall as being a community gathering space. Yes, there's delicious food that nourishes and feeds people, but it also is a place that is about conversation and connection. And my mentor in the children's mental health work, which I lost to suicide in 2016, he was the one who really educated me about the importance of relationships and human connection. You know, all of our long tables at the Lynn Hall are very intentional. It's to bring people together who maybe don't know one another and have them seated next to one another and be in community. And that's really our focus, not as a restaurant, but as an organization as a whole. And we're really excited about continuing the Nourish series and hope to have some additional events yet this summer, if not this fall, um, to coincide with Sobriety Month in September. And so has it been a challenge? I mean, obviously, the point of a restaurant is to make money to keep everybody in houses and, you know, who, who owns a restaurant and runs a restaurant. Ha, you know, obviously, uh, talking to your employees about their own mental health is maybe not a revenue center. Talk to me about that as a, you know, as, a, as part of your business. Well, I see it as it's absolutely investing in our employees so that they can continue to show up in a way that um, helps us be successful as a business. So we've done things like, you know, provided health care, provided, you know, some of these things are mandatory, as you know, with the city of Minneapolis, but also providing, you know, our management team is all about walking alongside our employees when they're struggling. And so I see it as it is absolutely part of running a business because it's a part of, of keeping employees who work in an industry that's a tough industry. And I never appreciated so much of that until I was smack dab at ground zero with them. You got to figure out a way to keep your employees healthy and you have to provide an environment where they feel safe. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with the Linal. It's uh, it's a challenge. I mean, when I talk to chefs and restaurants who are not as mindful as you are, staff is staffing, keeping staff, getting good staff, is the is the kind of the number one question? Um, so it is, and 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 also just you know, in in certainly as you know, certain parts of that equation, right? Cooks, you know, cooks are in such short supply right now. And I know um, Diane Yang just talked about this last week at the Cherry Bomb event that was held at the Lynn Hall when she said, "I don't know why anyone's opening a restaurant right now because cooks are in such shortage." So I don't know if employers appreciate on the level that they need to, what that looks like. But I can tell you that once you're in business, um, it's very apparent that we have a huge labor shortage and we need to figure out how to keep our people healthy in, in the industry. And I thought it was interesting. Chefs, Chefs with Issues did a, um, a 3,000-member survey a couple years ago, or 2,000 chefs that they interviewed. And their um, informal survey 
came back and said that 94% of those chefs are reporting, you know, current or past mental health issues. And of those, that sounds about right. That's that sounds like every kitchen I interact with. It's it's hard work, and it's where people go when they kind of can't handle other different structures. You know, it's a place where you can be freer. Well, there's zero barrier to entry, right? I mean, you don't need a high school education, you don't need a college education. You know, we're really saying, come on in the door, and we'll we'll train you, and we'll we'll work alongside you. But going back to this whole discussion about adverse childhood experiences and trauma is that if they're bringing that into the workplace and then a workplace is re-traumatizing, all of those behaviors come out in shouting and yelling and throwing throwing equipment and, and mistreating one another. And that's really where we've taken a stance as an organization to say, no, we're not going to treat our employees that way. And likewise, we won't condone that treatment from people who come into our workforce. And this has been, you know, not just your values, but this has been good business for you at the Lynn Hall. Absolutely. And I think it's something that our employees have really rallied about and continue to challenge me on, which is this is this as they've gotten more information about it has resonated with them and they're ready to take up the flag and and say it's something that they want to be a part of on a longer, longer and a larger level, which is what excites us about getting involved with other restaurateurs and chefs and people in the food industry that they really see this themselves and want to know how it is that they can respond and support their employees. Is this really not in a, I don't know if it's a Minnesotan thing or an American thing, but, you know, when you show up at work, typically you sh- you're trying to show up at work like shiny, bright, and perfect. Like I did not have any childhood trauma. I am you know, a person without, a person who's lived without trauma I've never missed a day and I'm a perfectionist. You know, like that's that kind of spiel that everyone feels like they have to live in. But you are, you know, creating this environment where you're like, oh, childhood trauma. Many people have them. It's terrible. We have to, you know, acknowledge that that exists in the world. Well, I I can't tell you how many conversations I had leading up to the Nourish series. And there wasn't one of those where someone said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know anybody who who hasn't experienced or struggled with mental or chemical health issues. It's everyone knows someone. And whether it's you yourself or it's a loved one or a friend or a colleague, I feel like this is much more the norm than the other. And I feel like that's really what we wanted to start the discussion on, to say, let's stop stigmatizing people that are struggling because that isn't... Um, that isn't the reality. We see it much the norm. There are many people out there that are struggling. And sadly, they're struggling in silence. And then they are committing suicide or doing things that are harmful to themselves. No, that sounds about right. All right. So uh, if people, if you want to keep up with what they're doing at the Lynn Hall, it's such important work. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for kind of making a space for this and putting this on the front burner. It's It's not easy. I'm sure you get a lot of people kind of shaking their heads and like, how could you? That's not what a business does. A business makes money. A business doesn't talk to people. But I applaud you and and thank you for doing that kind of doing all this work you're doing. And you can keep up with the Lynn Hall at their website at thelinhall.com. Or you can just go on down there on Lindale and 27th. Great place. Best uh, croissant turkey sandwich I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a huge shout-out to Chef Adam and Chef Katie. So we have an amazing team, and um, I'm just humbled by uh, their brilliance. And they show up every day along with our front-of-house and back-of-house team that 
they're the ones who do such a great job of continuing to show up for the Lynn Hall. And thanks so much for this opportunity. No, thank you. I will probably see you at the Lynn Hall soon. All right. Thank you, Chef. Uh, thank you, Anne Spade. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. We come back. I'm going to talk about some recipes, kind of an interesting recipe roundup this week. The sandwiches, kind of uh, inspired by um, a lot of sandwiches I've been eating, banh mi, Vietnamese sandwiches, but also a, f- a friend of mine. It's not actually a friend of mine. What am I saying? A poet that I follow on Twitter was kind of beating herself up about not being able to make dinner one night last week because she was so exhausted running kids around. And I thought, what are we doing? You can have sandwiches for dinner. That's a good thing to do. We need to, to you know, make everybody happy in the household. So that's the recipes we have. We come back after that. We'll tell you more about my adventures and Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> it's so silly. All right, more when we come back. Dara here. All right, you can start loading up the text line, 81807, because we're going to have a nice Ask Me Anything segment in a bit here. First question I will answer was the the yogurt with the low sugar. This is just in the vanilla category. If you want plain, you can go even lower, but my people like vanilla. Uh, so that would be the Kelowna. Kelowna is an Iowa program, um, Iowa product. Love me some Iowa. Kelowna Supernatural. The 2% cream top vanilla has only 6 grams of sugar. How about that? It's really good, too. It's very tasty. It's thick. Tastes very good. I love it very much. Kelowna, Supernatural. Free ad for you people. And then the other low-sugar one is Siggy's. That's the Icelandic yogurt. It's S-I-double-G-I. So that one, I think, has eight, eight grams of sugar. So those are two. You should be able to find those around town. Yeah, you get you kick out some sugar from your, uh, you know, your yogurt, and then you can have something more delicious later. Because they, you know, when I when I reported about big box food, you know, manufacturers, they literally just sit there with like Dr. Dre with a big mixing board. They're like bringing up the sugar, bringing down the fat, bringing up the salt. Like they can they can make everything, and it kind of just all tastes the same to us innocent people out here just buying yogurt. So. Get some low sugar yogurt. Use your use your sugar later in the day for more fun stuff. Okay, so we're gonna now talk bon mi sandwiches, recipes, ideas. So bon mi, let's go down to they are Vietnamese hero sub sandwiches, right? Okay, so why do we have why do we have Vietnamese hero sub sandwiches? Because the French colonized what they used to call French Indochina. Yeah, we're in the Wayback Machine to the 18th century. There was a realm of the universe. We now know these places as Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, places like that, kind of south, southeastern Asia. France, France occupied them for a long time and brought their food ways over. They brought baguettes. They brought pate. They brought mayonnaise. And that, uh, you know, brought one of the great fusion foods to us. A banh mi sandwich is basically uh, all those French ingredients with a bunch of Vietnamese ingredients, and it's delicious. If you've never had one, you get all the all the stuff you like in a sandwich and then all the stuff you like in Vietnamese food all together. And so I put these recipes up there at our new cool Entercom website, wccoradio.com slash menu or wccoradio.com slash Dara. And this is what I've got. Okay, I've got the recipes uh, up there for the different components and then the whole thing. So the chicken liver pate, that's what part of a bombing you take it. You kind of smear some chicken liver pate on one side. 
That stuff is delicious. I like chicken livers. They're good for you. This one's made with ginger and lemongrass. And I, I'm going to try to uh, make a batch of this and just kind of serve it with crackers this summer. That's one of my goals. But you can make the banh mi if you want to do that. With You can make that chicken liver stuff. You can make mayonnaise. I've got the recipe for the way that they do it in Vietnam, which is you know a lot of citrus, uh, so le- lemon juice usually, and then egg yolks, and you can just do that in the Cuisinart. I've got the real recipe, but you can use Hellman's. You can use Miracle Whip. You can use Kewpie, that uh, fancy Japanese mayonnaise all chefs are about. You can use that. Um, just as long as you're cooking, just feeding yourself. I don't care. All right, so then here are the recipes that I've got for you. I've got an American banh mi-style ham sandwich, baby steps. If you want to do baby steps, I'm all for it. Just get some white bread, put your uh, put your ham in there, and then you can go in a banh mi direction with a little, make a little you know, cucumber, cilantro, jalapeno, lime situation, throw that on top. That's a good sandwich, a little bit banh mi-ish. I've got the idea for a kind of rotisserie chicken weeknight bon me. Go to the grocery store, you grab an extra rotisserie chicken, big loaf of bread, sh- take it off the bone, shove everything in there. That's a good dinner. That's fancy even. I like a sandwich for dinner. We need to we need to spend time and work less hard in life. I've got the real kind of fancy you want to spend all day cooking, grilled pork bon me. And I have a nice recipe up for a lemongrass tofu banh mi because I want you vegetarians to eat well as well. And then I've got the recipe. This is a really good one for a pork meatball banh mi. Pork meatballs inside a sub. Come on. That's delicious. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's going to be the Ask Me Anything. Dara here. I got a a great comment on the text line that non-GMO is the new like cholesterol-free and the grocery labels. There's only a few products that are would have GMOs in any event, but everyone is listing it, and he's calling baloney on that one. I agree. That is just, you're so right. I have seen that non-GMO label on all kinds of things that have nothing to do with nothing. Oh, rats, we don't have time to do much for the Ask Me Anything. We'll have to get to them next week. When Kristen Lawless is here, she wrote a book formerly known as Food about the ways our food supply has evolved in this kind of non-food, extruded, sprayed, weird direction. Uh, So we'll be talking to her. Um, In the meantime, you can just find me on Facebook. You got questions I didn't get to, Dara.Grumdahl. You can find me on Twitter, at Dear Dara. I'm obsessively on that thing, tracking the dissolution of the Republic. But uh, till next week. Uh, you know, spend the week eating some non-scary stuff in preparation for our scary food talk. And uh, I will see you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.